Hi, and welcome to the Vine Missions Podcast, a short series exploring the topic of child development, the role of fostering adoption, and how the Christian faith calls us to care for the children in our community. Over these sessions, we're sitting down with a number of special guests to hear about their experiences in caring for the vulnerable children in Hong Kong and how we can play an active role in helping children grow in a flourishing environment. My name is Nathan Thalista, the missions pastor here at The Vine. And I'm Michelle Wong, the missions associate. In this four-part series, we're sharing a number of conversations with adoptive parents and leaders of incredible organizations who have been caring for some of the most vulnerable children in our city. There are about 4,000 children in the residential system in Hong Kong and many others who are waiting to be placed in a family home. The impact which a safe and nurturing environment has on the development of a child is fundamental to their well-being. Today we're joined by Alia Ayres, the CEO of Mother's Choice, to hear some of her insights, experiences, and how Mother's Choice serves children and parents towards the goal of seeing every child in a loving family. Alia, it's great to have you join us today. Such a privilege to be here and share on the behalf of vulnerable children and families in our city. Michelle and I have been really looking forward to hearing about some of the incredible work which Mother's Choice is involved in but also to understand some of the needs which exist for children and families in our city. In our earlier sessions, uh, we spent some time exploring the connection between our faith and family and understanding God's heart for children and their role within the family unit. Now, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your perspectives on this, as well as some of the ways that you've been serving vulnerable children and families here in Hong Kong. But before we get to that, I want to ask you to share a little bit about your history. Mother's Choice has been an organization that you've been CEO with for close to a decade now. However, it's also played a much larger role in your life. So tell us a little bit about Mother's Choice and what is some of the work that you do. Thanks so much for asking. You're right, I've been the CEO for about eight and a half years now, but Mother's Choice has played a much more significant role in my life. Um, my parents, Renjan and Phyllis Marwa, and Uh, Their two uh, best friends from church when I was growing up, Gary and Helen Stevens, actually founded Mother's Choice alongside many of our our close family friends um, in 1987 when I was just nine years old. And uh, I think watching their courage to in um, seeing the plight of young pregnant teenage girls and their children in the city and their willingness to ask themselves, not, you know, why doesn't somebody do something about this or why doesn't the government do something about this? But they, they had this willingness to ask themselves, what can I do? And I don't think they had any idea what Mother's Choice would become 33 years later. But um, it's that courageous question that really uh, drove them, that, that continues to drive Mother's Choice today. And that's really challenged me throughout my life. It's not just that spirit of volunteerism, but that that willingness to say, what can I do for my own community? What do I have in my life that I can offer? And uh, that's what continues to inspire me today. And that's such a beautiful reflection uh, to the work of Mother's Choice, right? The organization has continued from a beginning where the founders started with a desire to make an impact without knowing the full picture of what the organization could turn into. Yeah, that's right. So Mother's Choice is a local grassroots charity. We've been around for 33 years, and uh, we serve the many babies and children that don't have families, as well as teenagers who are experiencing a crisis pregnancy. But really, everything that we do is about seeing every child in a loving family. It's still very much a volunteer movement, 
80% of our team are volunteer. And um, it's really our philosophy and how we do things is, is to collaborate across the community. So we join hands with the community to give hope because we believe there's no such thing as a hopeless case and, and to see life stories changed. So that's our dream, whether it's the children without families we serve, um, the pregnant youth or youth who are at risk of becoming pregnant, uh, the, the foster birth and adoptive families we serve, or even our, our community partners. Um, we really want to see if somebody comes to us for help, uh, we don't want them to leave us until uh, their whole life is transformed. So last week, uh, we were able to explore a little about this with Stacy and Catherine, um, Catherine Gordon from Pathfinders, who's a partner of Mother's Choice. And I believe you guys do some work with some of the migrant workers here in the city. And we really kind of explored, you know, what is some of the vulnerable, um, you know, circumstances that exist uh, for many parents, uh, or vulnerable parents and, and children here in the city. I'd love to hear from your perspective, though, with some of the experience that you have with Mother's Choice. What are the circumstances that surround children needing to be placed into that care system here in Hong Kong? I love that you got to talk to Stacy and Catherine, who both do such great work with the vulnerable in the city. I think it's important, though, just to, to frame the issue with this. I think oftentimes people look at Hong Kong, which is such a beautiful, modern, affluent city, and they think, oh, it must be the others. It must be just the migrant community or, or, or just the refugees or just somebody else or new arrivals from China. But actually, there's very significant issues for children and families right here locally in Hong Kong. And at the root uh, of that vulnerability, I would say is social isolation. We have tens of thousands of families who don't have that extended family network, those strong relationships, either with their biological family or um, with a church family or with a neighborhood family or with that community. People who walk with you when times are tough, when a crisis happens. And the fact is, every family faces crisis. Now, whether it's a relational crisis or a financial crisis, a job loss, or um, a divorce, or uh, addiction issues, or, or just tragedy strikes. A and the fact is, no matter what your um, socioeconomic background, everybody experiences trauma and tragedy within their own family. A and, and the real answer is not just having the financial resources, although that's key, but you need people to walk along with you when you experience a crisis. And because we have so many families who don't have that network of family or community support, uh, when they face a crisis, they are the ones who are the most likely to uh, neglect, abuse, or even abandon their children. And it's many of these children who end up placed in the residential care system in Hong Kong. Now, many people don't know what the residential care system even is in Hong Kong. And the residential care system in Hong Kong is made up of uh, orphanages, uh, small group homes, uh, as well as foster homes. That's sort of the, the main categories. But there's about 4,000 children in full-time residential care in Hong Kong. And it's not even because there's only 4,000 kids who need care. It's um, that just that that's the total number of placements available. So on any given day, there's hundreds of kids waiting for a placement. So we can really see that social isolation and, and um, vulnerable families really suffer, and so do their children. So would you say the residential care system in Hong Kong can be a replacement for families? Is there 
an, a difference on a child's development if they're not placed in a family, but instead they're in institutions? That's such a good question. And I'll say this, there, there is definitely a place for the residential care system. You know, when families go through crisis, we want children to be in a safe place. But at the end of the day, the residential care system is intended to be temporary, right? Because there is no institution, there's no orphanage, there's no small group home, there's not even any foster family that can replace uh, the love, the security, um, the sense of permanency that comes from being in a forever family. And um, part of that comes from when, when a child is in the residential care system or they're in institutional care in particular, um, there's not that bonding with their primary caregiver. Um, there can be developmental delays. In fact, the longer that a child spends in the residential care system, the more likely they are to have both physical and mental health problems. Um, they're more likely uh, to uh, face uh, attachment issues and, and really um, struggle to bond with others in their life. They're more likely to have addiction issues as a result. They're more likely to drop out of school. They're more likely to become homeless as they grow older. Uh, if they're a, a boy, they're especially more likely to go to prison. Um, and if they're a girl, they're much more likely to get pregnant in their teenage years. So we can see that um, really having a permanent family that is both safe and loving is critical for the development of children. There is no um, temporary solution that can replace uh, what a family is meant to do. I think one of the, the aspects that's really been highlighted to me uh, over the last couple of weeks is, especially in the early years of childhood development, you know, the role that a safe, protective, nurturing environment really plays for children um, in their growth, in their development, physical and mental. Um, it's really like a structural component um, of a healthy, flourishing environment. Um, when you look across some of the, the children that you know, Mother's Choice works with, uh, both from the fostering and adoptive side, you know, what are some of those key needs that you are recognizing in the children? I should say this. At Mother's Choice, where we have multiple services for children that are in need of temporary care. They're waiting for family, uh, both in our foster care programs as well as in our child care home. But uh, you know, most of the kids that we're working with are under the age of six. But through foster care, we're actually caring for children from zero to 18. But no matter what the age of the child, um, and no matter what they have experienced, they're all looking for um, a connection. They're all looking for safety. Um, they're all looking for really nurturing care. And what we found in working with these kids is that early intervention is really key, uh, in particular in the first three years of life. So uh, really accessing not just um, medical care, but really accessing um, social and emotional and psychological support in those early years and really fighting for them to be in a family as quickly as possible is really critical for um, their brain and whole body development. And you mentioned earlier um, family provides that permanency that the residential care system doesn't. So maybe could you talk a little bit more about, you know, what is the need and impact um, of a family on a, on a child? Family changes everything. You know, as we look 
at the vicious cycle of children growing up in the residential care system and then becoming the most likely parents to place their kids in the residential care system. I'm mean, I have to tell you, a mother's choice, almost half of the girls that come to us through our pregnant girls service are already in the second and third generation of teen pregnancy, many of them having been raised in the residential care system themselves. But why we have so much hope despite seeing the generational implication of social isolation and children growing up without families, is that when you place a child or even a young parent in a loving family and a family that's supported by the community, it changes everything. And that's because family is where we learn what love is. Family is where we can learn to trust. And I think What's amazing to me is as I read the Bible, God is so clear about this. He calls us his children, right? Uh, and he asks us to call him father. Father is where we, family is where we learn safety. It's, it's where we learn how to love each other. It's where we learn how to be patient with each other, how to forgive each other, how to, how to stick together. It's where... Um, because of the trust and security that comes in family that we can that we can have courage that we can grow up and, and learn independence and and have families of our own yeah and I think you made a really interesting point there you, you said the word community uh, and you know when we look at church we look at the, the Christian body uh, you know the role that we can play um, family is a component of that both the biological space but then also I think in, in the Christian space right what does it mean to be part of the church family so what is uh, some of the ways I think the community can actually step up to be a family for children who need it? And I think there's probably a couple of spaces in that, uh, I guess, question-wise. You know, one is the role that they can play themselves as individuals, but also how can they support families who are you know, potentially already in that environment of fostering or adopting or supporting others in that space? Well, I'll say this. This is not just about the clients that we're serving at Mother's Choice. The fact is nobody can do life on their own. Nobody can raise a child by themselves. No family can do it alone. Uh, we need to parent in community. We need our family, of course, but actually our family needs the support of extended family, and I believe that the church can play that role, right? And that is really the best part about church, that we can be family for each other, and I've certainly experienced it myself through the years of people who walked alongside me um, as I raised my own six children. You know, I, I think there's very specific things that we can do to respond to this child protection crisis in our city. There's a desperate need for both adoptive and foster families. But I want to say this, like I recognize that not everybody is called to adopt, okay? And not, not everybody um, should foster or, or mentor um, a vulnerable teen mom. Right? But I do believe that there is something that absolutely every single person can do. And um, that is why we are called the body of Christ. Right? We can all do something. Now, I, I can think of so many examples of, of faith communities across the city who've responded in different ways with just <laughs> the, the fishes and loaves that they have. They've been willing to offer what they have. Uh, uh, one, one church in Hong Kong uh, have a group of single people who thought, um, maybe I can't foster, maybe I can't adopt. 
who've really come together to provide relief care as, as buddy parents to foster families when they travel. Don't even go and live in their home so the child has continuity, you know, when, when the foster parents have, have to, um, you know, go away for a long weekend or for a holiday. Um, and, and they've been welcomed into this family along with the foster child. And, and they even support each other and grieve together when that child leaves to go back to their birth family or when they're adopted. You know, that's, that's, that's truly amazing to me because what they're doing is really the mission of the church. They've, they've become family together. Um, that is what we are meant to do. There's, there's another church community in Hong Kong I'm thinking of who um, have some older parents. They're, they're families ha that have kids who've already graduated and left home. They've gone on to university or to their working lives. And uh, they've decided that they want to support single moms and even grandmothers who are caring for their children alone. And they've decided that they want to be extended family support for them, which is really amazing because they have a lot of experience. They've already raised their children. You know, so there are many different ways. Everybody really has something to offer, no matter what stage of life you're at. And, and I believe that this is a very significant time for the church body in Hong Kong. Um, not just this church. I mean the church across Hong Kong. You know, this, uh, this past uh, November, we had eight churches come together for the 2020 Adoption Awareness Month to speak out that children belong in families. And, and they spoke out loud together in a unified voice that we have a calling as Christians to do something, to respond. And uh, like I said, I, I recognize that it doesn't mean that everybody's going to hear that message and foster or adopt, but it does mean um, that we as part of the wider church in Hong Kong, um, we need to do something. And we're joining um, others of faith across the city and around the world because the church has a role to play. You know, ultimately, um, governments can only do so much. What the government doesn't have is love, relationship, community. And that's what we have in the church, so we need to bring that. I love that picture that you're painting. Um, and the Vine was one of those churches that was part of the, the Sunday with uh, the Adoption Awareness Month. And it was actually on our Mission Sunday. Uh, and a key part of what we do at Missions here at the Vine is you know, helping people to explore these different issues, but then also to help them understand or see ways that they can respond. Maybe we can finish off with a, a question. You know, how can our listeners take that next step if they wanting to be more involved either through you know organizations that are active in this space or even potentially exploring what does it mean for them to be involved in a fostering an adoptive environment uh, what would you recommend as some very easy simple quick steps they could take i think there's four ways that people can consider getting involved and like i said i think one of these needs to resonate with every single person who listens to this so uh, yes yeah, so I think if you've been listening to our discussion and you have this stirring in your spirit that maybe you could welcome a child into your own home, maybe you could adopt and become a forever family for a child, or maybe you could host a child on a temporary basis as a foster family, I would, I would really encourage you to sign up for an adoption or foster care information session. So you can hear more about the process and the requirements and really evaluate whether or not it could be a good fit for your family. Um, I'll tell you that my family have signed up to become uh, foster parents and it has 
really changed our family's lives. And my husband always said to me, I, I never want to do this because I'm afraid that, you know, when we host a child, we'll have to say goodbye and it will break my heart. Uh, and the truth is we did have to say goodbye and it did break our hearts. But we've somehow found that our hearts are bigger because of it. The second thing I, I think that anybody actually can consider is signing up for a volunteer information session. So there's ways to volunteer that don't involve welcoming a child into your home. Uh, whether it's office work, caring for a child in our child care home, or um, you know, spreading the word, offering your professional skills or expertise. There's actually something that everybody can do. And um, we try to host um, information sessions every month just to explain more what the opportunities are. And even if you want to volunteer with another organization, we'd welcome you to join just so you can understand the, the needs of children and organizations working with children in the community. I think the third thing that you can do is pray. And not just pray, oh Lord, please help the orphans and the widows, but, but really dedicate yourself to prayer. And, and I would say this, and it my, might be scary, and I do think it's scary. It's a scary prayer. But sit down with your family or those who are in your close network and um, really come to God and say, we've been moved by the issue of vulnerable children and families in our city. What would you like us as a family to do or us as a small group to do? And, and then wait and listen. It's scary, right? It's scary to ask God what he wants you to do, but I'm telling you that is a prayer that will change your life for the better. And then the fourth thing that you can do is you can donate. You know, it takes a lot of financial resources to engage in a vulnerable child or a vulnerable family's life in a way that really changes their life stories. You know, sometimes it's easier to give a meal or a blanket or a class um, it's actually easier to offer orphanages to children for their whole lives than it is to really engage and ensure that they can go back to their birth family or be adopted. It takes resources to really see someone's life changed. And uh, at Mother's Choice, we certainly need financial resources. Um, you know, it takes a lot for us to be able to do the work that we do, but there are many other organizations that are working with vulnerable children, uh, youth, and families across our city that you can consider giving your money to. Wonderful. Uh, we're going to actually have links to some of those information sessions that Mother Choices runs uh, on the website, which people can connect to as well. From Michelle and myself, we want to say thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you join us today, sharing some of that heart, um, the spirit behind what does it mean for us as Christians to respond uh, you know, in a very practical and long-term uh, you know, impacting way. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You give us great hope for future generations of children in our city. This conversation is part of Remission's Pathway on Childhood Development. You can access this and other sessions on our website, thevine.org.hk missions, as well as other resources which can help equip you to live missionally by connecting your faith with the knowledge to influence systems of injustice and share the gospel. If you'd like to learn more about Mother's Choice and the incredible work that they're doing in caring for vulnerable children and families in our city, you can visit them at motherschoice.org. 